This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Ryan Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Justin Hartwig, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me, as always, tonight, uh, Matt, the mouth of the South Necrone. What's up, Matt? Damn, that's perfect. I like that. Just for you, man. You like this one even better. Also with us, Glenn, the big chest of the Midwest. Lots of highs here. <laughs> I worked on that thing all day. That's awesome. <laughs> Damn, you really are going to college. Yeah, he's, he's stepping it up a little bit. Just so in case anybody doesn't know, Ryan is now you know in his first semester of college, so the shows will be out later, and Ryan will have more and more wisdom for us every week to drop on us, just like you just saw. I'm going to start using some big words every now and again, and evidently rhymes. All right, but before we get into the show, we have a couple things we want to announce. Of course, in a pick them the yahoo pick them you can check it out on website www.twotoneuncensored.podbean.com uh you can just click the nfl pick them link right there it'll tell you exactly what you need to know about it the deadline to sign up is the start of the season so make sure you get on that if you want to play uh, against us there'll be prizes at the end of the year and whatnot also our poll last week the guys this just shows how smart our listener base is because we asked them who was going to have the most receiving yards out of all of our wide receivers last week. And 50% of our listeners picked Tajay Sharp, and that's who ended up. So the vast majority uh, of our poll got it right. So shout-out to our listeners. In my, in my defense, I did not choose Tajay Sharp. I chose Harry Douglas, who got the touchdown. So I'm taking the moral victory there. Close enough. All right, let's get in the mailbag here. First one up from Cody Ledoux. He asks... With the DGB trade, do you think this could possibly open up a scenario where we end up drafting Juju Smith from USC? Uh, assuming that Juju Smith is the top receiver in next year's class, which he probably is. But um, honestly, man, I see bigger needs. I think we do. Obviously, we have two picks, but I think that um, secondary, particularly cornerback, is probably our biggest need. If we keep both of those picks in the first round, that's definitely a possibility. I think with Jared Goff actually reportedly sliding down to third string, it doesn't look like he's going to be seeing the field anytime soon. So who knows what kind of season the Rams are going to have. I could see it happening, but I just think we got bigger needs elsewhere. I had the same thought when I first read that question. Is I, I'd rather see us go cornerback. Obviously, our secondary needs help. We're not going to get it this offseason, so we kind of need to happen the uh, draft next year. Now, it's possible if we keep both picks, we go with that way. You take a, a dynamic wide receiver, uh, another guy that put on the other side of Tajay Sharp as your other guys get older. Uh, probably Andre Johnson isn't back with us next year. Harry Douglas isn't going to become the number one guy. So it depends on what Richard Matthews does. I think if he has a great season, then you don't see Juju Smith being the target. They probably go defensive back. If it looks like nobody but Tajay Sharp can play wide receiver, maybe they go that route. Wouldn't it be fun to say Marmar to Juju for the touchdown? Shut no. up. 
No, not at all. You, you shut up. Um, I think, yeah, we this could be definitely a possible pick for us. Obviously, we're going to have two first-rounders. Just like you guys said, we need to focus one on a cornerback, obviously. And I'd like to see the higher pick be used. So it depends where Juju's going to fall. He's He is 6'2", 220 pounds. So he's a do need a bigger guy, and we do need a, guy, a wide receiver with some size on him. He's productive, had over 1,400 yards last season and 10 touchdowns. Yeah, big, thick, muscular guy. He's actually stronger than he appears to be at that 6'2", 220 frame. Reminds me a lot of Michael Floyd. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like him. Could be there for us to take. It's way too early, though, to know. You know, we have no idea where our picks are going to be, like how we're going to finish, how the Rams are going to finish. And we also don't know, you know, where Smith is going to fall, if he's going to have a great year or not. They have a really tough schedule this year. You know, they open up against Alabama. So... You know, there's a lot of factors, of course, but I, I think it could be a, definitely a possible pick for us. Moving on to the next one, Art Urias sends this one in. Uh, as soon as Mike Malarkey took over as the head coach, he was under a lot of scrutiny. After the second preseason game, he's looking like he might be the head, Titans head coach for future years to come. Has your perception of Malarkey changed so far this offseason? Nah, he um, he's doing everything he's I thought he would do so far anyway. He's still got a lot to prove. Obviously, we haven't played a game yet. But uh, if he gets, you know, six, seven, eight wins, I think he's definitely going to stick around for at least the next year. I'm not sure what his contract. I think it's a three-year deal right now, and obviously they could cut him at, at any time. But, I mean, if, if he gets us back to above 500 in those two, three years, obviously I think we keep him. And I like everything he's done so far. Obviously he's still got a lot to show on the field this season and for, you know, upcoming seasons, obviously. But I think he's headed in the right direction. Now, I wasn't one of the guys who was, you know, slashing his wrist when they said they were going to hire him. I thought they were going to hire him just because it was an easier thing to do. That's kind of what I've come to expect from this front office. I wouldn't say I've changed my mind on him any because he's done what I thought he would do. He's he's running the ball because he's using what he's made the strength of the team. He was given the mandate to protect Mariota. He's doing that. He's he's doing that. Like, expected him to do thus far i've seen some calls in the preseason so far as far as the offense goes where i'm like why, why are you calling these plays and it's mostly just to set up you know put things on film for other teams to have to worry about i'm hoping we don't run a lot of wide receiver screens and crap like that i hate those plays and without uh kendra right on the field we really don't have anybody who needs to be running those plays he's he's the guy i thought we were getting i'm not any higher or any lower i wasn't low to start with him though i was just Let's wait and see what happens with it. Yeah, I was not a huge fan of his. If you go back and listen, I was there was a lot of other guys that I, I wanted to see come into the Tennessee. I thought that we made the easy choice rather than making the right choice. Um, I will say this: it's the preseason. Uh, you know, just these two games we have looked really good in some places and, and really bad elsewhere, as we're going to talk about later, obviously in the show but it's the preseason so that knee-jerk reaction i'm not having yet i'm not completely sold on him yet but i'm not i don't think he's a terrible coach either the one thing that has changed in my perception of malarkey a little bit on a positive side too is how well the team has responded to him and it this is for better or for worse mike malarkey's team and there's no question about it the the team has really bought in to what he's selling he's really gotten the attention of the guys um and that's obviously what you need to do at, as a coach on any level so that because of how well the team has responded to him has made me like malarkey a little bit better 
but still, uh, just as Matt said, a lot to prove yet still, um, and it's just the preseason. Next one in from Tyler Musson. He asks, what exactly does it take for a player who wasn't a favorite to make the final 53? And is one wow play enough? Uh, probably not. I think that I know he's talking about the Curtis Grant tackle on Cam, which was awesome. If he does that or he can, shows he can do that more than one time, particularly every time he is in that situation, I think he could possibly. But there's there's no way that I see him beating out some of the other guys just based off of one play. Now, obviously, that was you know that made everybody stand up. They got a reaction from everybody in the stadium, particularly me, considering I cannot stand Cam Newton, and I thought for sure he was going to make that first down. But you know, when he got slammed down backwards, that that definitely got a reaction out of me. He probably does not make the team, but with plays like that, you know, if he can keep doing that, I definitely would give him a shot to make a big jump into that final fifty-three. You've got to be kind of close by the time you start, usually. If the coaches were looking at Curtis Grant as more than just a camp body, then he got, he's got to make a lot of big plays to push that needle to the point where he replaces somebody else on the roster. And that's kind of going to be the problem for a guy like Curtis Grant is who does he take out? I mean, he's going to have to knock off uh, Nate Palmer, David Bass, Sean Spence. One of those guys had to be the guy he pushes out. You know, Aaron Wallace is coming back this week, and he's a really fast player. He's he's the guy that can make that kind of a rundown, but has more of an upside, I think, than Curtis Grant does. He, he's also a guy who's a big project. So I think it's going to be really hard for a guy like Curtis Grant to push the needle and get onto the roster. But the way you do that is you make lots of big plays, and you, more importantly, you don't make mistakes. If you're not making the lows that the coaches are looking for you, if you're an outside edge guy, you know, not not as a roster, but if you're outside that bubble, it's because the coaches think that you're going to make as many mistakes as you make good plays, and you've got to really swing that balance in favor of the good plays so they think that there's more upside to you than they thought coming in. And it's a hard thing to do. Uh, that's what the preseason's for, though. So if he makes you know two or three of those plays a game, he can fight his way onto the roster. One play isn't enough. Absolutely, guys. One play is not enough to make the final 53, but one play can do a lot for you. One play, um, one wow play, as Tyler put it, or one big play can put you in the mind of your head coaches, could put you in the mind of your assistant coaches. You know, you make that one big play in special teams, you know, the defensive coordinator might you know, throw you an extra couple of snaps in that next game just to see how you're playing. Stuff like that, it can help you make the team, obviously, and uh, help you in a lot of ways. But, no, you definitely need more than one big play to make the final 53 if you're one of those on-the-bubble guys, as, as Glenn called them. This one will help him. You know, he'll you definitely get attention for it. The coaches will remember that play. But just as Glenn said, look at the people that are in front of him. He's got to beat out them. So this one play make him better than a, than a Nate Palmer? Like, no, it, it doesn't. So it, that's what you have to take into thought here is that, yeah, the one big play can do a lot for you and get you more time on the field. When they're making cuts, that's going to stick in, in the coach's mind. That's one thing he's going to remember. If it comes down between you and another guy, and that's what he's thinking about in his head when he thinks about you is that great sack that you had or that interception that you had or, or whatever. Now, obviously, that gives you an edge. But you still have to be the caliber of player to kind of make the team uh, or show that you're that caliber of player. So a lot more goes into it than one play, obviously. And our last question here, sent in by Wayne Hessek. He says, I personally believe that Taze Sharp will be a major factor on the Titans' offense. 
with the departure of Doriel Green Beckham, how do you think Sharp will do this season? I think the opportunity is going to be there for him. He showed particularly last you know, last game against Carolina that he is very reliable. That's That's been the story all along with him, and we, we just didn't know how he would go against press coverage. So far, he's, he's done pretty well. I think he could probably bulk up a little bit for durability reasons, you know, to stay healthy and stay on the field. But other than that, man, I don't have any complaints. This, this dude catches anything thrown his way. And if he can build a uh, strong rapport with Mariota, I think that both of them are going to thrive off of that. I definitely see him having a good season this year. Yeah, at this point in time, Tajay Sharp is the number one guy, it looks like. It's all the confidence Mariota has in it whenever they had that play where Mariota threw the ball before Tajay even hit his break. He knew he was going to be where he's supposed to be. Everything we've seen of him is what we saw when we went back and looked at his college film. He's doing everything the same way he did in college. He's just as successful. We just all had to see him do it against NFL players, and he has. So I think everybody's on board with him at this point. Obviously, DGB is no longer an issue, but I don't think he was going to be based on the way the coaches were treating it. It just took the fans a little while to catch up. He should have a good season. I don't know that he has a great season because I don't know that any Titans receiver has a great season this year. Glenn, you just stole the words right out of my mouth. I think that he's not going to have a great season because I don't think any Titans wide receiver is going to have a great season. So, you know, that's obviously the first thing. But he is hes very, very impressive in what he's been able to do so far. Love the work ethic. This is a guy that came in and ready to grind. And he and he's shown, he's shown a lot more from us than where he was picked up for sure uh, in just a short time since he was drafted. And keep that in mind. It's very impressive what Tajay Sharp has done so far. I think that he's, you know, obviously cemented himself on this roster and he's pushed far higher than I think a lot of us had Sharp uh, earlier in the season, and me as an example, I, you know, he's a lot higher up in the depth chart than I definitely expected from him. But this is where it becomes hard because Rashad Matthews is a good wide receiver. You also have Kendall Wright when he comes back. So there's still, even though the Tajay Sharp's been incredibly impressive, there's still a lot of, of guys in that top spot. Andre Johnson as well, where the I think you're going to see the passes still be kind of spread out between those guys obviously um delaney walker's amount that they're gonna is going to be fed you know this season as it is every year i'm not expecting a whole lot stat wise but i expect when he gets the ball he should be making plays and and doing what he's been doing you know the entire offseason so far and in the preseason games he'll play phenomenal i think for how much you're going to see of him. But that's about all we have for the mailbag, so now I'm going to send it over to anchorman Glenn Lotzenheiser. What do you got in the news for us, Glenn? I think you got quite a bit going on this week. Uh, we're going to start out with uh, saying goodbye to a longtime Titan in Craig Stevens. He was a uh, former third-round draft pick at a Cal. He's 31 years old. He cited quality of life issues, which sounds to me like his body just wasn't up for another year of getting his ass kicked every week. I'm sad to see him go personally. I've always thought he was a little underutilized. He's got more ability than he ever really showed out there. I mean, not that he didn't show it, just they didn't use him that way. His departure does open up a roster spot, though. Uh, Fasano is still here. I don't see him going anywhere. He's going to be the number two guy. So after him, you've got Supernall, Alex Ellis, and Jerome Cunningham. Assuming they keep four guys in this you know run-heavy system, you can't have a short group back there. Who do you think the uh, odd man out of that group's going to be? Ooh, that's tough. Um, you know, obviously you have Walker and Fasano. They're going to stay on the team. Cunningham has looked better than I expected him. So 
you know, he could might have a chance to be able to squeak onto the team. Superna just really hasn't impressed me. I don't really know how he's been looking off the top of my head this preseason, but he, he doesn't impress me as a player so far in his career. So, you know, he could be a guy that I think doesn't make the roster, but it's I think it could be tight in that back-end group. I think Cunningham could squeeze on, though. I've heard a lot of really good things about him. The The Titans seem to be, you know, decently high on him coming in. is a guy that I we signed him. I didn't give him a lot of credit. I thought that he would be a camp body and out. But now I'm starting to think that he has a real shot at making the team from how he's has played and what we've heard from training camp so far. So I think if I had to choose right now, even though he has an awesome name as we were talking earlier, it might be Supernaw that doesn't make the squad if I'm making the, the cut. Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of shocked to uh, read that Stevens retired today. He's, he was uh, with the team for eight years. He's a Titans lifer. We don't see many of them. But I would say that I don't agree with it, but I would probably go with Supernaw making the team i'm not particularly fond of him at all none of the guys really stand out to me that much i think if it was me making the decision i would probably put the young kid ellis as a future prospect kind of build him up for our future i'd like to see cunningham take the spot you know take it from from his play during these next two games if he can outshine the other guys that'd be that'd be great but I think Supernova's already got a, a leg in the door. I'm not a big fan of Supernova at all. Yeah, Supernova's never really impressed me. I love his name. You know, you see that name, you're like, that's an awesome name for a football player. But he, he seems to not have the greatest hands, can't always hang on to the ball, you know, fumbles a little bit. He just he doesn't seem to be a big play guy. Jerome Cunningham is a big, strong man, so I think there's a chance he definitely makes the squad just because they need somebody out there. Just a second. Uh, okay, sorry, just got a dog peed on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> My wife just sent me a message with this big, angry face on it. You know, dog peed on the floor. He has no excuse. He has access to the outside. I'm like, <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> uh-huh. Completely broke my concentration right there. <laughs> okay, um, where was I? Oh, uh, Jerome Cunningham is a guy I would like to see to make the team. He's a big, strong guy. He's going to be helpful in the uh, run game. I I haven't paid just a ton of attention to him, even when I'm watching the replays and everything else. I keep watching the linemen more than I'm watching what Jerome Cunningham is doing out there because we had Craig Stevens. I wasn't worried about the fourth tight end on the squad. Now we're looking at the third and the fourth. I also think it's probably going to be Supernaw. So it's between Alex Ellis and Jerome Cunningham. Jerome is probably more useful in the running game than Alex is right now. So probably they keep Jerome. Alex goes to the practice squad. And maybe they end up drafting another tight end uh, next year. Which brings me back to Hunter Henry, who I kind of wanted in the draft this year with that first pick in the second round. They took Kevin Dodd. I'm not mad at him, but Hunter Henry would have really changed things the way we could run our offense with two really good pass-catching tight ends out there. Yeah, um, one thing I just wanted to say real quick, because I didn't mention it at all, is like, I've always loved Craig Stevens since he's come to the team. You know, he's not a guy that, that puts up great numbers or anything, or, you know, he's not like a head-turner, but he's a guy that has always worked really hard, and you could see it, and, and I agree with Glenn. I think that he didn't... Not that he didn't put all of his effort and everything onto the field, but he had more talent than his stats will show and, and going into retirement. So best of luck to him. And to defend my um, Supernal pick, with Alex Ellis coming on, you know, I think that you, the reason I picked Supernal over them is I, for Cunningham, I'm more impressed with what I've seen from Cunningham so far than I am Supernal. And Alex Ellis, uh, obviously being so young coming in, I think that we're starting to see 
what we're going to see from Supernal for good. Like this is he's you're not going to be any be- he's not going to be any better than he is right now. Kind of. Uh, I'm not saying that that's a hundred percent the case, but it's starting to look like that's the case. And Alex Ellis is, you know, you have no idea where he's going to be in in a couple years. So that's why they might end up keeping him on the team. Plus, it's not that it's a huge cap hit to cut, or it's not like it's a giant difference in money. But Supernova is the more expensive guy. Yeah, I don't think any of these guys are going to fill Steven's shoes when it comes to run blocking. He was one of the best tight end blockers in the league. So, I mean, that's that's a huge hit when you think about what we're trying to do. And that was the biggest thing to me is I just didn't like seeing him leave this late in the game in a year that we're obviously trying to be a power run team. You know, he was going to get some H-back work in there. He was going to be all over the place. And, you know, if his body's beat up and he can't do it anymore, that's fine. I wish he hadn't re-signed. They would have approached it a little bit differently in the offseason. But, you know, we have Jolson Fowler, the uh, wonderful fullback, who will cover all the H-back duties because he is one of our highest-rated players in Madden this year. <laughs> Very important. Very important. Okay, <laughs> so moving on. Uh, Antonio Cromartie, he signed a one-year deal today with Indianapolis Colts for $3 million. Means we're going to see a little bit of him this season. A part of the reason they signed him is Fonte Davis is out, got a bad ankle injury. So the signing makes sense because they have a hole in their secondary. The Titans also have holes in their secondary all over the place. We've already had a couple of minor injuries. We have yet to see, in the entire time that Bularkey has been the head coach of the team, we have yet to see both of our starting corners on the field at the same time. Do you wish they had at least brought him in just to get a look at him? And we we know he's not the same guy he was, but just just to get a look at him. And the problem you have is now that he's off the market, the only other free agent of notable talent that I could find was Keenan Lewis from the Saints, who's 30, coming off a series of really bad injuries, and no one even knows if he could even play yet. Yeah, definitely should have been brought in, definitely should have been put through the paces for Tennessee, and we should have made a, like a bid for him. Here's the thing, is like obviously he's not what he used to be, we know that, but you're not paying for what, you know, we saw what the Colts paid him, he's not paying, you're not paying him for what he used to be, you're paying for him for what he is, so it's not that big of a cap hit, it's not that much money. It's something we can obviously afford us having you know more cap room than the Colts have to work with. And you look at what's going on right now in this secondary. You talked about the cornerbacks there, Glenn, how we have yet to get our number one and number two on the field at the exact same time. Cordy is starting to show a history of injury problems now, and it's not really impressive. If he gets off the field again, I, you know we might be in a situation like we were last year. When you just see teams just eating us apart. I mean, we made, we made Johnny Manziel look like Aaron Rodgers week two last season. We don't want that to happen again. Bring in a guy like him, even if he's not, you know, that number two guy or, you know, whatever. With injuries and stuff like that, you, you can plug him in. You have more talent. You have more depth. Even if he doesn't make, you know, your starting one and two, which... He probably would on our team. But just saying, even if he didn't, you bring in more depth, you bring in more talent. So that way, when we have these injury problems that we've seen to be so prone of, it's not that big of a hit as it will be right now in, in this season. Yeah, I don't think, I'm not upset that we didn't sign him, but I'm just like 
sitting here wondering what are we going to do because what we have is not working. Um, we'll get into it later about the dreadful secondary that is the, the Titans, but Cromartie obviously is not what he was. We've already been over that. And when I hear that name, I think about how awesome he was at Florida State. Like That's, that's what I think of when I hear that name. I did kind of want to bring him in, but at the same time, he's not exactly the locker room guy we're looking for. I don't think he's he's definitely talent wise still at this age easily our number two if not our number one that's where we are right now I'm not really sold on him to begin with but I think that with what he can bring to a secondary he's a definite upgrade for what we have and I'm not yelling you know screaming for for him to come onto the team but I think that we do need to bring somebody back and and get somebody on the field to basically fill in for guys like Blake and and McCain and guys like that that we cannot leave on the field when McCordy or Parrish Cox go down yeah the biggest issue for me was the whole time was just his locker room presence he's always had an attitude he's never really gotten along with any team as far as I can tell and last year he was like the 60th ranked cornerback in the league gave up over 700 yards on a clear catch he didn't have a good year last year. He wasn't a gr- good player. There's a reason why he was a free agent. But at the same time, the guys that we got are going to give up a lot more than 700 yards the way that they're playing. So I agree. We should have brought him in. I wanted to see him just to know that they had tried. Uh, if they didn't sign him after they brought him in because he didn't look right or he wasn't going to get along with the guys on the team or someone on the team, went, you know, I've got a history with this guy. I'd rather not see him. I'd be okay with all that. Just let, let's take a look at him. Just show the fan base that, hey, we're, we're trying. Because what we've seen in the preseason so far from this defensive back group is not impressive. This just makes you, we have to do something. Teams start making cuts. We have to hope that a halfway decent corner gets cut and we can pick him up that i mean that's all we can hope for now uh, as you said the pickings for a cornerback on the free agent market at this point in time is you know very slim so that's what we're gonna have to hope for is that a decent corner gets the axe and we can bring him in which isn't likely in a passing league like this right now absolutely not okay another bit of news here we've got Tajay sharp who we've already talked about a little bit He's now being mentioned into the Rookie of the Year conversations. It's obviously preseason, and he's looked really good. But do you think that he's somebody who can come from way behind in that consideration to get past some of these other rookies who are going to be starting, like an Ezekiel Elliott? Is it realistic for people to be talking about him as a Rookie of the Year contender, even though we expect him to have a good season? Can he make that big of a push on the needle to get himself over to the consideration for that? Just being realistic now. You know, I like Taze Sharp. I like what he's doing. I think he is talented enough to make a push to put some pressure but we just talked about him a little bit ago and we were saying how we're not going to throw the ball enough for him to put up great stats and that rookie of the year you know as as much as you know it cannot be fair sometimes it's very stat driven award and uh, you have guys like Ezekiel Elliott who's behind you know the best offensive line in football and probably won't have a hard time putting up good numbers and again, guys, you know, all across the league, there was a lot, handful of wide receivers taken in the first round. The two quarterbacks coming off of the top. You know, there's a lot of guys in front of him that are in better situations that are going to see more action. That's the thing is, is Tajay's playing fantastically and he looks good, but he's not going to get a nearly enough targets in order to be rookie of the year. I'm going to say he can contend. I'm not saying he's a hands down, you know, he's going to run away with it because he's not, but he can easily be in that contention i think that if things keep going the way they've been i mean i know it's only a small sample size but i mean he's the most reliable receiver we have maybe outside delaney walker and i mean those those passes got to go somewhere i know we're trying to run the ball and, and definitely you know make an impact doing that running the ball but i think when we do throw he's going to be open 
He's one of the few receivers that can always get open. That's been a huge problem as of late with our other receivers. I think that, you know, he's not as physically gifted as uh, Zeke Elliott or some of the other guys, but I definitely think he can contend for it. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Matt said there, just because he can. It's possible that if he goes out there and he's beating every corner in the league every week, he's going to get people's attention. People are going to pay attention to the fact that this rookie is coming out here, a fifth-round guy, and nobody can keep him from getting open, and he's catching the ball, and he becomes Mariota's favorite target. That's what he has to have happen for that to work out that way. I still think Elliott has the uh, inside uh, lane there by a long shot because of what Ryan said. That offensive line should make him plenty of room to run, and it's going to let him put up some numbers this year. Okay. All right, moving on. We've got uh, Kevin Dodd coming back to camp this week, as well as Aaron Wallace. Both of these guys have been out injured for a little bit. We touched on them a little bit earlier. They bring different things to the defense. Dodd is a big, powerful guy. He's more of a defensive end than an outside linebacker, which is what we have for our outside linebackers in the 3-4. He can help pass rush. He's good against the run. He should be able to come in and help move the pile back on the quarterbacks. The opposite end of that spectrum is a guy like Wallace, who plays with quick twitch and speed. He's the guy that, from wherever he's playing at, he's going to bring you speed to the pass rusher, speed to the edges, which is not something that we have a lot of on this roster. Our linebackers tend to be big, strong guys, as opposed to really fast guys who can get you know sideline to sideline. With guys like this, how soon do you think we'll see an impact from these rookies on this team? Kevin Dodd, I think you're going to be able to see it pretty quick. Uh, I think that he's going to be able to see time. I don't obviously think he's going to start over um, Arakbo or Morgan, but I think he's, as we said earlier in the year, I think he's going to be the third guy in that rotation at the outside linebacker, and I think you're going to see him go a lot. Obviously, Dick LeBeau is known for sending you know, a lot of complex blitzes and blitzing often, so I think you're going to see a lot of Kevin Dodd this year, and I think that he has the chance to, to really make an impact, and it does make you feel better now on that he's coming back a little bit better even about the secondary because of the pressure that he's going to be able to bring. You know, obviously pressure can negate a bad secondary if you're getting to the quarterback fast enough. So that's exciting. Aaron Wallace, um, I don't think he's ever going to make an impact as a Tennessee Titan. I don't. I would be surprised if he's on the team at this time next season. Yeah, I think with Kevin Dodd, he's particularly going to uh, see a lot of time this this week against Oakland. I don't know. Well, actually, I shouldn't even say that. I know he he needs to get back into football shape because he's said that himself, that he is not in shape for the game. But at the same time, he's ready to get back in there and do whatever he needs to do. I watched the the Titans inside, inside the locker room interview with him, and he's very confident with what he can do. He just knows he's he's not caught up with game shape. So, I mean, once he gets there, I think we're going to see him make an immediate impact. And um, I'm, I'm really anxious to see what he can do. I know what he can do, but I want to see where we put him if we do stick him on the end sometimes. And, and um, he probably will be standing up for the most part, but I'd like to see him move around a little bit. Um, one thing about him, though, man, he's got such great determination that I think – when we do see him, we're going to see him burst very quickly, and you'll notice when he's on the field. As far as Aaron Wallace goes, I'm not really sure what to say about him. Honestly, I haven't seen much of him or you know, during camp or you know, in college. I'm just not real familiar with him, so I don't have much to, to add to Aaron Wallace, but I think he's got a, a pretty big uphill battle to climb with all the guys ahead of him. I agree on the Aaron Wallace, but I don't know that he sees the field this season in meaningful action at all. He's 
definitely should be trying to make the team as a special teams guy. He's got athleticism that we don't have in the rest of that group. So there's a chance that he you know, finds a way to make some value. Maybe they just put him in there in just pass rushing situations. I'm not sure what they do with him. Probably this year, he's just backup guy. He's out, he's out there trying to learn. I know Ryan doesn't have any faith in him at all. I think he really improved a lot last year from the start to the end. So I think there's a chance for him, but he's a late-round linebacker. If he doesn't make the team, it's not a, really a big deal. Kevin Dodd is a guy that I know Matt really likes. Any of these Clemson boys, he's all over. All in. All in. All in. I wanted, like I said earlier, Hunter Henry with that pick. I think that having two good tight ends would let us do kind of the uh, thing you used to see with Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski up in New England. I wanted something like that. I'm not mad at the Dodd pick. I think he's just he brings the same kind of element to the game that you know Derek Morgan. He's a big guy playing outside linebacker, but he's not exceptionally fast. He's not exceptionally powerful. He should be really good against the run. I hope he has the strength and the moves to get the pressure. He certainly seems to have the motor. We saw that in college. He, he's a guy who can get things done and can make an impact. He's not necessarily the guy I wanted with that pick. I wanted Hunter Henry so we can do the uh, Patriots thing with Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski and have two pass-catching tight ends down there. As far as a backup linebacker goes, he's about everything you could ask for, though. I look forward to seeing what he can do. I'm really hoping that he comes in there and makes a big impact and we have just a constant three-man rotation so that none of our linebackers are tired and we can bring it every single play. Another guy that has a high motor, uh, Sebastian Tertola. He's earned some first-team work at the left guard spot. Uh, Spain is apparently not going to be able to solidify that spot until the last week from the looks of it. He's still not consistent. When he, when he makes mistakes, he makes them bad. And then he plays good for the rest of the game. Then he'll make another bad mistake. Mikey pushed for some playing time. He looked okay out there as a left guard. Um, I just don't trust his injury history to make him my starting left uh, guard. If Tertola can move over there and be a good run-blocking guard for us, I'd be all right with that. I still, like I said earlier... I don't want him necessarily to be a starter this year. I want him to have more time to learn. But if we're going to put somebody out there who makes a mistake, I'd rather them make a mistake full speed blowing somebody up than somebody like you know Spain who just seems to lose focus at times. I've been riding the Spain bandwagon for a while. If you've listened to the show, you've heard it. And I was really impressed with the way that he played week one. And, man, did he look bad in that game against the Panthers. Um, and it, it just uh, bad, really bad. And Trey Tola has looked good. He's impressed me. He's more athletic than I figured he was going to be. He moves a little better than I than I expected, um, and then what I saw in college and watching tape. So I think he has a shot. I agree with Glenn. I didn't want to see, and I still don't want to see him starting as a rookie coming in. Uh, but you know, we might be stuck with that that choice. Obviously, it, uh, another reminder that you know, even though we are rebuilding and we do look a lot better than we did, we still have a long way to go. Now it's it's becoming more interesting because it looked like Spain had it and was going away, and now it seems a lot more even uh, after that game and heading into this next one. So it's definitely something. To be watching for, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about when we head into the preview of that next uh, preseason game coming up. Is is how the a couple of these guys play, like you were saying, like Schwinky, Trey Tola, and Quentin Spain. Yeah, to touch on Spain, his performance last last week. I think obviously, like him, like other guys on our team, they're going to play worse against greater talent which obviously we did. You know, Panthers are way better than the Chargers. The reality of it is, we're going to be playing more teams closer to the Panthers than we will be to the Chargers. So as far as Trey Tola goes, I think that 
he's got a great attitude. I think he understands what he needs to work on, and he's already proven that he's a great run blocker, obviously, but he knows he needs to upgrade his pass blocking techniques, which he, he's underst- he understands that. And I think that although Spain probably has the upper hand right now, I think if he gets this opportunity and runs away with it, I think he could easily take it. I, I'm not against him or for him. I want the best guy out there, but it's all about what we do right now and moving forward. So, I mean, if he wants it, it's his to take. You both touch on something that I was going to say. It's easier to look good against the Chargers' defensive front than it is the Panthers. The Panthers really have a solid offensive line I and mean, defensive line. So I'm not surprised Spain struggled against them. Is one of the things I said to look for. And he played about like I thought he would play. He played like an undirected free agent who's come in and learned a lot and has gained some confidence. But when it's time to step up against a really high-level competition, he struggled. As far as Tertola goes, I'd love to see his attitude spread to the rest of that offensive line, particularly Chance Warmack. I'd love for Warmack to be a lot more aggressive than he is. I still don't really want him to be our starter week one just because he is a rookie and he's going to have to go against some really good defensive linemen. So I'd rather him not be out there getting exposed with Mariota standing behind him. Castle standing back there. Sure. Let's, let's, let's throw him out there and let him get some experience. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And our last thing I was going to touch on, uh, Jason McCourty's return to practice. You know, we've, we've got quite a few people coming back from injury. And we've seen how much the team needs him. We've seen how bad the defense looks without him out there. What is your over-under, your, your percentage you're going to put on it, of him actually staying healthy and playing all 16 games this season? <laughs> oh, man. Let me break out my decimal points. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think it's good. I, I, you know, with the way it's been, I hope that it is. I hope that we see him all season long, you know, 16 games. Because, uh, you know, he is, he's not, we've talked about it before, he's not what you want in a cornerback one in the NFL. He makes a great CB2, though. But he is head and shoulders, I think, above the rest of, uh, of our cornerback roster on this team. So, obviously, it's a huge upgrade for us when he's on the field. So, obviously, I want to see him stay healthy the entire season. But it just seems like it's been incredibly hard to keep him on the field as of late. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't think that it's great odds that we're seeing that he stays on the field for the entire season. I'm probably going to say 20% or less. Yeah, the percentage isn't really important. Um, you know, forty percent will be my answer, but it doesn't matter. I think from what I've heard that they're just kind of taking it easy with him. I think that I think the injury report says something about his hip, which was unrelated to his injury last year. Whether they're holding him out or not, no, he doesn't really need the reps right now. But we need him on the field. So I mean, if he's not. If he's not participating against Oakland, we really need to bring somebody else in because when we went out there against Carolina and those big big ass receivers, like it, it brought me back to last year of just getting burned constantly. We just didn't have the personnel to con- to contend, and it, it's the worst feeling, man. Like I, I really, I feel like we have a, a deep group of safeties. And we're just incredibly weak or incredibly thin at corner. We haven't seen Parrish Cox. We haven't seen McCourty. So, I mean, like, we're we're watching our third and fourth string guys getting burned by first string, you know, potential. And I think that, that plays a part of everybody's reacting to, you know, how, how bad they're getting beat. But, I mean, we need these guys on the field. We can't, we can't just bring them in week one and expect them to be ready to go because they won't be. I don't think they will be. If McCourty's past this injury, you know, great and if not we really really need to bring somebody in and more important news my copy of madden just showed up so i'm done i'll talk to you all later
Later, man. <laughs> no. But seriously, I'm with you guys. Probably 40% is the percentage that I would give it that he can, you know what, 20. 20% that he makes it through the whole season and plays in every single game. Maybe lower than that. It's just, it's not going to happen. And my biggest concern then, like you said, is no one else is healthy either. Who are we going to put out there to cover these guys? Now, we were playing the best offense in the league last week. We were playing a team that was second in the Super Bowl where we had the first pick in the draft. So obviously we didn't expect to go out there and just shut these guys down. I was kind of impressed, and we'll talk about this later on, about how well we did do against them. But it also really showed a lot of the problems that the secondary has. That it's one Blake. <coughs> Blake. No, you know, if he's your fourth string guy, it's okay. When he's your number one corner, you got a problem. And the defense that we've been running out there hasn't helped us any as far as getting a look at what our secondary can really do. But until these guys get on the field and can stay on the field, which isn't going to happen, we, we've got problems. So this year is probably not our year as far as secondary goes. That's why, as we said earlier, we're probably taking a cornerback with that first pick next year. All right, that's all we got for the mailbag. Let's get on with this. All right, thanks, Anchorman Glenn Lotzenheiser, for the news. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back with a breakdown of what we saw again in this game against the Panthers and look forward uh, as Saturday's game against the Raiders. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Pinecast and Stitcher. And we're back from that commercial break. We're going to jump into this Panthers game here, guys. There was some positives and some negatives to take from So let's start on the positive side. Uh, Tennessee's running game looked great again against a, a much better rush defense looked pretty swell in this game. How did you feel about the rushing attack the Titans had? I think great might be oversaying it. They looked okay. We did more of what I thought we would do, which was pass. I, they, I think the offensive line did a decent job opening up holes. They, they looked all right. Against that defense, they probably were great. It was nothing like the San Diego game, but we knew that was going to be the case. I really enjoyed seeing the uh, sharp Mariota connection out there, and I thought that the rest of the offense looked okay during their couple of series and the offensive line, they held up as well as I thought they would hold up against that defense. So in all, it was a positive in that we were able to throw the ball and move the ball down the field against the team that that was the only way we were going to get any real traction. Yeah. The initial question was our running game. How did they do? But I think the offense as a whole, I mean, yeah, we ran the ball pretty well against probably the best defense in the league. Granted, you know, we don't see all their, their blitzes and stuff. It's preseason. They, they keep it pretty vanilla. But at the same time, you know, Marcus went 9 for 10. We moved the ball through the air, on the ground. We had a pretty successful day. It took a little time to get there. We didn't score till the second quarter. 
but as far as you know what we're doing and and how we're progressing i'm real happy with obviously the the tajay connection like glenn just said that's my favorite part about this new offense we got a reliable receiver i think most of the guys like for instance when when douglas caught that incredible tight window from from mariota in the corner of the end zone i think we have guys like harry douglas is a prime example of we got good good receivers for instance but good average players that if you put them in the right position they'll succeed but if you're a a, a dumpster fire those guys are going to struggle, which like when, when Mariota threw that interception, that was his mistake, but that was on a Harry Douglas route. And what did he do? He just fell down and stayed down. I, I feel like we have a bunch of guys in that same grouping where if we can get the motor running, so to speak, I think everybody can kind of jump on board. But if we start to struggle, I think we have a lot of guys that aren't really going to take it upon themselves to get us out of the hole. And they're just kind of going to go down with the ship. So I think as long as we, can be positive and move move forward running and passing i think you know the team's going to be successful good you said you didn't think it was great but um i thought we did very well for who we were playing obviously every week's not going to be like the game against san diego unless you know you're playing madden because those numbers are just unreal but we had just our running backs combined 18 carries for 80 yards it's a 4.4 Average, which is a very great average against such a stout defense. And again, it's preseason. They are coming with vanilla looks uh, and whatnot. But I was I was impressed with how our running backs were finding holes. We we're still blocking pretty well. And our running backs seem to be bouncing off tackles. Derrick Henry has just been proving that he is not an easy guy to bring down. <laughs> he is a big boy, and it shows in his running game. But also what I liked, too, is... When it came to just running the ball with running backs, we were much better looking than Carolina was against us. Obviously a good thing considering how good their running attack was last year. They had 17 carries for 53 yards against us. That's a 3.1 average. So we averaged 4-4 on them. They averaged 3-1 on us. Anybody who knows football, that's a very big gap. You know, obviously, like I said, still preseason – but I like the way we look on both sides, offense and defense, against the rush and all rushing attack was very impressive. As you guys said, Mariota, 9 for 10, out of 104 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He had 11.6 yards per completion. It was an impressive day for him. The Outside of the interception, you know, he played pretty much perfect game. He looked really good. He threw that, that ball to Harry Douglas that Matt was just talking about. It was just an, an awesome pass, awesome catch. Uh, and one of those plays that you know really makes you feel great about the future of this team and just one play. Definitely progressing. Definitely moving, you know, definitely looking better in a lot of areas, I think. And So that was the good half of what we saw in this Panthers game, guys. Then we start talking about the bad half. Obviously, we've brought up the secondary quite a few times. So I want you to talk about them, but what else did you see that you were not impressed with this Titans team? Biggest thing I had was the secondary. Just like you said, we've already talked about it. It was, it was awful. We did see the tackles hold up a little bit better against the Panthers pass rush. It still has a lot of work to do. That's why they're still rotating out that left guard. Both of the tackles, you know, they're facing a much stouter defense, and they did okay. I still have a lot of anxiety about how we're going to hold up against real live blitzes all game long with this group. 
the uh, secondary again, you know, which it really struggled. Watching Norwood beat Sims for that touchdown showed me that the rookie is still a rookie. The whole defense, just the containment on the back end isn't there. So I have real concerns about the defense they're running, but it is preseason. We'll see what happens you know, when the regular season comes. But my biggest concerns were offensive line on the tackles and the secondary. That's all I really had that I felt was bad, given what we were going into. We knew this was going to be a tough game. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. The main thing, obviously, is the secondary. Missed tackles is the biggest thing. When you look at our even our first string, like there's been a lot of instances where Avery Williamson is not where he needs to be when it comes to coverage. I don't know if he's just in the wrong place and he needs to adjust or, or what the situation is, but granted, everything we're saying is, is without our top two corners on the field, top three corners possibly. So, I mean, but, but as Antoine Blake is our one, I just want to throw this out there. He gave up six catches for 113 yards and a touchdown to uh, Ted Ginn. He's he surrendered a reception every time he was targeted, and he missed tackles constantly. I mean, it was like night and day from from the Chargers game. Glenn said earlier, if he's your four, that's okay. If he's your one, you're not going to win a game all year long. I mean, he's got experience starting on Pittsburgh last year. He started, I believe, 15 or 16 games. So, I mean, he, he's been in the league. He knows what it takes. But, but when you show up and you look like that, man, there's no way you can – you know, there's no reason you should stay on the field. That's that was an awful, awful outing he had. I, I need to see our full defense with with all of our first string guys in there before I can even judge. You know everything. I do want to see, like I said earlier, we have a deep safety pool, and I want to see. I know uh, Huff's going to be out the first game, but I want to see him at corner at times. I want to see uh Byard on the field as well as Cersei and Shaw Johnson. I think if we bring like in a nickel package, if we bring Byard on the field to cover maybe where Avery Williamson would be, I think that might help us out a good bit. But I mean it's too early to tell. I think this this game in Oakland's gonna tell us a lot as well. Matt brought up the the big point that I wanted to to talk about was um Antoine Blake gave up a reception on every single target that he saw. You know, that's as bad as you can get for a defensive back. And yeah, he really played a bad game. But as you guys said, we're playing without our top corners in the game. So that's obviously a huge factor in this, that we did not perform well. Because you're playing against guys that are first stringers with guys that are, you know, second, third stringers. That's always how it's going to look, no matter who the team is. Um... Me and Glenn talked about it last week, about Blake going up against Ted Ginn, and I said that it really interests me because of the speed that he has, that it would be interesting for me to watch it if we had guys that could keep up with him and stay with him, and if we proved that we did not. Blake got burnt by him pretty bad, as Matt just mentioned. The stats out there, you know, six for six when thrown to Ted Ginn. So, not very good day. A lot of missed tackles, as both of you guys have brought up. That was something that I definitely keyed on. I thought we did better as a unit at picking up the blitz. And again, we're facing vanilla blitzes, as we were saying earlier. But one thing that I noticed was individuals. Quentin Spain had trouble. Conklin had trouble at certain times on the line that on stuff that he probably shouldn't have. I saw a few plays where he got himself out of position. Not that he got beat. Not that the guy out manhandled Conklin. But Conklin takes a bad first step, 
and too far outside, the guy goes inside. Just the same thing that we saw last week when we took on the Chargers. So, the, you know, some other things that I noticed that I, I thought was bad and and I'd like to see improved, obviously. Offensive line play and the secondary, but that's stuff that we could have told you, you know, what, four or five months ago that that, that was going to be the problem. Uh, and, you know, when we started this show, that's what we said. What's going to be the problem is this secondary and this offensive line. We're seeing a lot of what we thought we would see uh, coming into this. We're, we're getting the guys who we expect to struggle being put in a position where they have to be able to make plays and they're just not up to it. You know, Matt talked about it a little bit. We, we're really mismatched against these guys. When we were first talking about the signings of McCain and Blake is we're bringing in short guys who have to win with quickness against tall receivers like a Devin Funches and like Benjamin. Now, Ted Ginn, he, he just he smoked Blake. It wasn't even close. Uh, that, that terrible tackle was awful. We all saw that one. It just th- These guys don't match up well against the first-team guys from the other teams. Probably not real well against the second-team guys when you really get down to it because a lot of the second-team guys tend to be a big guy who maybe isn't as fast, and these guys are just not big enough to make those plays. They're definitely going to struggle if we have to have these as our starters. Obviously, we need McCordy back. We need Cox back. They've got to get back and play the whole damn season for us or we're going to really get in trouble. We're going to see it again this week. If McCordy's back and ready to play this week, they're just going to pick on whoever's on the other side of him all game long. There's no reason to throw near McCourty. Not that they're scared of him, but just he's the best player on our secondary or on our cornerback group at least. So they'll just throw it the other side of the field because no one over there can stop anybody. To go back to what I said earlier about the guys that don't really pick it up on their own if, if the, the team's not doing well, I think if, like you just mentioned, when uh, Blake got beat by Ginn, up up in the the rear came B.W. Webb, who couldn't catch him either. But I'm saying, like, if we had our first-string guys out there, and let's just say one of them gets beat, I think Blake will perform better as our fourth-string, you know, not having the load on his shoulders. I think he's going to perform better, you know, in the background, not not necessarily as the front-runner. I mean, that, that's that pretty much obvious, but, I mean, it, it just needs to be said. I don't think any of the guys that we have showcased so far – or deserving of, of starting talent. And you said it reminded you a lot of last year. I brought up that Cleveland game uh, earlier from last season. We went up against Travis Benjamin, who's another 4-3 guy, another yeah. burner, and he ate us alive in that game. I mean, he murdered yep. us in that game. And that, it just felt like watching the same exact thing with Ted Ginn. Speaking of Ted Ginn, it's not like he's an overly talented receiver. He kind of has one thing, and that's that burner speed. So all you gotta do is you know stay with them or you know play physical enough with them that you take you negate that speed. But you know we weren't able to do it, and you'd obviously have a McCourty back. It will be uh, a definitely an improvement, and and it will cut the field in half, which could at least that would do something for us if we were able to do that. Like Glenn was saying, they're not gonna throw to that side. If that's how it is, you know, cut the field in half. That would desperately help our uh, defense out and then you can get safety pressure on that side as well and and really really help our defense but McCourty's got to stay on the field for that to happen because nobody else in his secondary is going to make them think twice about throwing that direction yeah a lot, lots of people have been burned by again I mean getting burned by him isn't the bad thing it's how bad he looked doing it you know if that, that tackle that he missed where he just 
couldn't make up his mind, just let the big man go. Or not the big man, the fast man go. You know, it, it's a sign that he's not used to being the number one guy. He's used to coming in as help. You know, he plays more like a zone safety than he does a man cornerback. And we don't really have a good man guy on this squad right now. So we're going to see a lot of zone this year. I just hope it's a tighter zone and a harder hitting zone than what we've seen in the preseason so far. Looking at it right now, if you could go back, and I know he wasn't available to us, obviously, but would you rather have Tunzel on the offensive line or Jalen Ramsey to help our secondary? Tunzel, without even a question, Tunzel. My, my thing with Jalen Ramsey is I don't think he ends up playing corner, and so he just ends up being another safety back there with the rest of those guys. And I like Jalen Ramsey. You know, ignoring the injury that you know makes that such a bad pick because it's, it's what happens to the Jaguars. I don't know. I think I might take Jalen Ramsey just because he's more explosive. But that goes against everything I said during the uh, before the draft, where I take Tunsil. See, the thing <laughs> yeah. for me with like Tunsil is is I think Tunsil is going to have like immediate success. He's starting to guard too, you know. So I mean, yes. Yeah. No, yeah, so they expect him to play uh, tackle next year. Ramsey has not been impressive at all so far in the training camp. Like he's been burned a lot, and I know that he's going up against really good wide receiver talent. But still, you know, we, we've seen him line up against. They have like the combined practice with Tampa Bay going on, and we saw Jackson and and Evans just burn and burn him bad. And obviously, those are two really good wide receivers. But that's the talent level that you're going to have to play, you know, besides when they play us, obviously, because we, you know, don't have a lot of great wide receivers. But there's a lot of better wide receivers than, than Benjamin Jackson in the league, you know. There's a lot of better wide receivers than than Mike Evans in the league. So you're going to have to face guys that are even better than that. You're going to have to face guys that are that level quite often. And he's not looked impressive. But I expected him not to look impressive. Uh, you know, the hype train got a little out of control with Ramsey. I think he will eventually. I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player. And I don't. I'm not saying he's going to be a bust or anything. But it's going to take some time for him. It's going to take a few years before we see Ramsey become one of the best defensive backs in the league. I think that Tunso has the ability to be one of the best uh, offensive line sooner, and I think he has a better shot of reaching his potential because of the skill set he has, and you know, a less fear of injury. But you still, I guess, have the red flags. Oh, those red flags. All right, we talked about that Panthers game. Now we're going to look forward to this Saturday, 7 p.m. Central. We are going to be taking on the Raiders. You know, obviously, this is a game from last year that me and Matt and Glenn have talked about on the show a couple of times about what it holds, especially Matt seems to have a, a, a very deep emotional connection with that loss last season against the Raiders. So it brings that up a little bit. Also, a look at, at a team that we're going to play in the regular season. So what's some things that you're definitely going to keep an eye out for when we take on this Raiders team? One of the things I'm really looking forward to is this offensive line the Raiders bring. They're a really good group. You know, We played one of the best offensive lines in the league last week. We're going to do it again this week. Uh, this group right here that we're going up against, left to right, all of them good players. Their weakness is the right tackle. And he's not bad. He'd, he'd start on our team probably. I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with Donald Penn and Kalichi Osimile. 
Is that right? <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> I, I, I'm working on it. Uh, I, I want to see what happens with those two guys go up against Jarrell Casey. You know, let's put your best player against their best player, and then the, you know the left guard isn't bad either. So that, that should be a pretty interesting battle to watch if they're going to play the whole first half. You know, which you usually see in the preseason. Sometimes you even get a full three quarters of you know real football. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing that matchup and seeing what happens with that because you've got Casey over there with Arakpo going against a guard and a tackle who can switch off and handle what they're bringing with them. And the other area that I'm looking at is seeing if anybody in our secondary can do anything about David Carr hitting wide open receivers. Yeah. Secondary is the most noticeable thing I'm going to watch for. I think that whoever has Amari Cooper is going to have their hands full and hopefully that's Jason McCourty. But with that being said, I think, you know, Crabtree's one of those guys. He, he's he reminds me of like a slightly better Harry Douglas. I'm not real impressed with Crabtree any of these days. But I honestly, I think Seth Roberts, who lit us up last year, as I recall, he, I think Carr knows who to pick on in our secondary, which is Everybody. not a good. Yeah, well, <laughs> not a good thing. Yeah, so, I mean, we play these guys week three, so we're going to get, you know, a good look at, at what we're going to be going up against. But I remember them very, very well from last year, as Ryan already mentioned. One thing I want to see, if we can get Derrick Henry in there with, with the ones, I want to see him go head-to-head with Khalil Mack and just see what happens. That That's what I'm looking forward to. I don't know how much you'll see of that because Mack's going to be over on this side. You know, he's a more of a defensive end outside linebacker. And the weakness on this defense is right up the middle. It's the only way you – know, the, the linebackers are too fast on the edge to just run around them. And the Packers proved it. You know, if the Cardinals proved it, if you go right up the middle, you can get good rushing yards against them. That's what I expect to see the Titans do is pound that right up the middle and open up with some play action. And look a little bit more like the Chargers game than the Panthers game. You guys touched on some really good ones here. Obviously, the secondary, uh, that's something we're going to be watching the entire season just because of how weak we are back there. One for me, though, that uh, you kind of touched on just a little bit or got close to touching on at least, I want to see what our passing game looks like against the Raiders because their secondary, you know, could use a little bit of work. They're not overly impressive. They do have, you know, a couple guys, Sean Smith, you know, that, that can make a difference, but not overly impressive. This is not a, a great secondary unit, but they do have a really good pass rush. You know, they have Khalil Mack. They brought in Bruce Irving. So they're going to have a great pass rush where our offensive line has to just give Mariota enough time that he can sling the ball somewhere. They have, they have to be able to give him enough time to be able to do that. Not just Mariota, but obviously Tanny and Castle when they come in. So that's something I'm going to be looking for is this, this pass rush – can they get to us before we can get the ball out? Because this is not a great secondary, as I said. It is a good pass rush, though. So it's not like they need a ton of time to get the ball out, or shouldn't at least, to get the ball out. And we're going to face teams that have you know, just as good a pass rush, that have a better secondary, and, and you know, or a better combination at least of the two. You know, that Texans team, we're going to play them twice you know, this year, as we do every year, and they have a good secondary, and they have a mean pass rush. So this is kind of going to be a bar for me a little bit. How's this offensive line handle it? Are they giving him enough time, you know, to beat an average secondary? Let's not forget your boy Carl Joseph is the starting safety right now. Him and Reggie Nelson are back there. So they have a similar 
secondary to ours, I think. I mean, Sean Smith's probably better than McCordy. But other than him, there's really no notable names. DJ Hayden, who's not, you know, nothing great. But all these other guys I've never even heard of. Oh, David um, Emerson, he can play a little bit. I, I, I think their secondary is better than ours. I, I, I like our pair of safeties better than theirs just because they're experienced. But I, I think that their secondary is definitely better than ours. I don't think we'll have as much luck just chucking the ball out there against them. You know, it's going to have to be good routes to beat these guys. Oh, I agree. I think that the Raiders have a better secondary than we do. And I think that, you know, obviously, Reggie Nelson's a good safety. You know, not great, but he's good. And, you know, Sean Smith it kind of fits that same thing. Not great, but he's good. And I think Carl Joseph has the ability to be great. You know, obviously, injuries play a factor in that and how well he comes back from that knee injury. But, yeah, outside of that, not a whole lot of talent. I do think they are better than us, but I do think they are very similar looking to, you know, to what we have. Better at safety than they are at corner, and they have an obvious CB1, and it, and it kind of slides down after that. I do think they're better, but it is a similar look. Yeah, it's not hard to outproduce us. Our secondary is not that, you know, doesn't really compete with many many secondaries in the league, so I'm not too shocked to hear that. Now, like I said earlier, I think the weak spot of this defense is that those, those two tackles inside. You know, they, they play a lot of different mixed looks up front. There's a reason they list uh, Khalil as a defensive end, even though I think he plays more linebacker than defensive end. It's just that they mix their front up so much trying to get people into the right position and take advantage of you. It's a little bit of what the Chargers were doing to us. It's just I think they'll be more successful. But you know, you, you've got Khalil Mack, Bruce Irvin, Ben Heaney's looked good so far this preseason. Malcolm Smith can play a little bit. This front seven isn't so good whenever you look at their defensive line. But once you get back to the linebackers in the secondary, I think the back end of this defense is a lot stronger than the front end of it. And that's the thing. That's what I want to see is is how our tackles play against this pass rush. That's going to be probably the biggest thing I watch in this game is when we do drop back to pass, especially when we have our number ones in Conklin and Lawan out there on the field. How do they handle this? How are they... You know, keeping Mac out of the backfield, or can they? Can they slow down Irvin? And not that we'll probably see a ton of Mac, and I doubt we see even a whole lot of of Bruce Irvin either. But how do they handle that? Can we get the ball out? And you said it, Glenn. We have to have good routes. I don't think we're going to be able to just rely on a hail mary. I don't think we're built for that anyway. But we're going to have to have smartly run routes, and they're going to have to get guys open quickly. So I think this is a game that you, another game you could see Tajay Sharp really have a great game because it kind of fits right into his wheelhouse because he can get open quickly. He runs very good routes. Yeah, one thing about this group is these are some tall guys. I mean, Sean Smith, he's what, 6'3? Amerson, 6'1. Reggie Nelson is 6'1. Uh, Carl Joseph, if he's starting, you know, he's 5'10. He's, he's the midget back there. But Nate Allen, who he's also six foot, you know, this, this is a tall secondary. You're not going to throw over the top of them very often, which is kind of the idea with the Raiders. They, they come at you with a lot of speed, and they come at you with some uh, height in the secondary. Just, you can't throw the ball over the top of them. The idea is if you throw underneath, these linebackers are fast enough to make plays in the ball. Now that we talked about this game a little bit, I want to ask you guys, if you had to pick one matchup, one matchup that you really want to see if you couldn't watch any of the other ones what would it be what matchup intrigues you the most the, the matchup i'm most looking forward to is the one i already said which is a uh, casey and those linemen the one matchup i'm looking forward to the most i would have to say is no no specific players but just to see who can 
cover in this secondary, whether it's our, our linebackers or our corners. I know Clive Walford's having an impressive camp. He's their tight end. I'm worried about him having a big game. And, I, again, I, I go back to Seth Roberts only because I feel like David Carr is going to look for him or whoever's throwing him the ball, really. They're not going to be going against our, our McCourty or our Cox. So I figure, you know, whoever we have, whether it's McCain or Blake, I think they're going to get get picked on a little bit. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. As I said, the, the tackles against the outside rush, obviously interesting. But another one that you could throw up there just as well is – is how does our pass rush do? And, you know, Glenn talked about that with Casey. But on the edges, are we able to get edge pressure? Because obviously our secondary is, you know, we know that it's bad. They're going to have opportunities. So the one thing that can help out the secondary is a great pass rush. And we really haven't seen it from Derek Morgan and then, you know, that side so far this offseason. So are we able to get past a really good offensive line, put pressure on Carr, and help our secondary out? Yeah, that's going to be a hard question to, you know, for them to answer, too, just because Morgan hasn't been getting there already. Having Casey in front of you helps the rec pull out a little bit. That makes that a little bit easier job on his side. But something's got to happen on the other side. You know, uh, Daquan Jones and Derek Morgan have got to figure out some way to get through the line. Now, they are going against the, what I said was the weakest part of that line, which is that right tackle. But that doesn't mean he's a bad right tackle. So it's going to be really tough to get pressure on Carr and I think Carr, with his arm strength, with our secondary, they, they could really burn us deep just because we don't have anybody who can run with their guys that has a chance of stopping the ball from getting caught when it gets there. Yeah, Glenn, I agree. You're exactly right there. And everybody that's listening at home, we want you to have an opportunity to tell us what matchup you're looking most forward to. So that's going to be the poll question this week, obviously on two-tone, uncensored dot podbean.com so that's the question we're going to throw up a, a couple of them there the ones that we mentioned and so you can vote on it and tell us what you think what are you most looking forward to in this Raiders matchup but that's about all the show we have for you so big thanks to my partners in crime over here Matt and Glenn and thanks to everybody out there for listening to the show don't forget to do the NFL pick them before the first week starts or you won't be able to get in the show is out every Wednesday, and check it out. Tell your friends about it. Tell everybody about it so we can grow and make money off of this fucking show so I don't have to go to college anymore. <laughs> He's got loans to pay, people. Dude, it's expensive. Help me out. All right, thanks, for everybody, for listening to the show. And tighten up. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. You can listen to the show at twotone.pinecast.co or by downloading the Stitcher app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone Uncensored and like it on Facebook.